Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Mike Cowan joins me, and he has been representing women's college basketball. Well, I shouldn't say college. I guess they're coming out of college into the pros, into the WNBA. Uh, he's got a long history in professional basketball going back to when uh, you played some college ball yourself, I see, Mike. So you're sort of, you, you know, we have a lot of tennis lifers in my business. You're someone that I think sounds like you are a basketball lifer, and uh, you have been helping these female basketball players for a long time getting jobs overseas, and you have found yourself smack in the middle of this uh, just a crisis happening in Russia and in the Ukraine. So first of all, welcome to Holding Court, and I mean, it, it could be a basketball court too. Uh, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. You're in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is where your business is located, but I know you've been very, very busy, particularly these last uh, week or two, with helping getting some of your players out of Russia, Correct. Yeah, that's right. That's right. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, the, the center of the basketball world, I like to say. <laughs> no, nobody buys it but me. But anyway. Listen, I remember yeah, Ch- I, 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 I remember right. Chattanooga, by the way, just as a little aside, because I think I went there when I was five years old. It was the first uh, national tournament, tennis tournament, that my brother John played in. So we all got in wow. the car, and yeah, and we took a road trip one summer to Chattanooga, Tennessee. But let's get on to the more serious topics, <laughs> which are what's going on in Russia and a little bit of what you've been doing just in these last few days or maybe the last couple of weeks. Okay, sounds good. So tell me, tell, tell me, tell me what's been happening. I know you you were on CNN, which I've been on obviously a lot lately with one of your players who you helped get out of the country who was playing uh, professional basketball over there. So w- tell me about how that transpired. Yeah, um, that's Adora Lanu and uh, Patrick. We have my company and, and my associates, is sort of a network of uh, European and, and Asian associates. We usually have uh, three to five, six, seven, eight in Russia every year. And this year I only had one. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she was over there and she was very relaxed. The door was, she was like, well, everybody seems calm. And, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty laid back about it because I didn't believe the invasion would happen. First of all, it seems, you know, unreal that he actually did this. And then the secondary position was, Hey, Russia's not going to be attacked. So, you know, you're over there in a really comfortable environment. You're safe. And that's really the position everybody took. Kudos to the WNBA and the WNBPA. They were given some pretty, um, I thought they were a little hyperbolic warnings about it. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm, I, I tend toward the relaxed right. on these types of things. But as soon as the invasion started, I, I said, hey, this I am not comfortable with at all. I sort of look at it as if my son is in another country. What would right. I want to do? Right. And so, you know, the the basic reaction of her teammates and other people was, um, hey, my agent says it's, it's fine. The team's going to be mad if we leave. We're going to have contractual issues and things like that. And I said, well, we'll be fine on the contract. Mm-hmm. We'll say, uh, hey, I'd rather ask for forgiveness and permission on this one. I'm going. I'd like your cooperation. And I wrote out a thing to the team and they said they understand. And we had her out of there in two days. And her, her teammates were not leaving. And then they saw she was leaving and they jumped on the thing. And then it ended up, I got two other players. I helped get two other players out that 
had agents that were very like, no, I don't think it's time yet and this and that. And they didn't want to hear that. So they, one of them contacted the league and said, who do I call that knows how to do this? And, you know, I've been doing it 30 years and, and have, you know, a lot of contacts and it's sort of understanding that FIBA, the international basketball, you know, organization, governing body, understanding that they're not going to block your letter of clearance. If you want to play somewhere else, they're not going to, let the Russian team sue you during these times, these circumstances. So I just took that approach and, um, you know, it wasn't any big deal really. It's what anybody should have been doing, to be honest. Where was your player located? Was she in Moscow? Which city was she in? Orenburg. Orenburg. Okay. Orenburg. Yeah. And then, and then two others were on another team up. Um, and, uh, well, I don't want to say the team here because they, <laughs> they have agent issues. Understood. Um, <laughs> now, um, yeah. so the players that were on uh, this team, they're from all over the world? Or they're you mean a, Orenburg? Yeah, the Orenburg team. All, all, all teams. Yeah, all teams. And just so you have a little bit of an idea, you know, there's about four strong teams in Russia, and then it goes down real fast from an e- from a infrastructure, mm-hmm. economic standpoint. This is one of the top four teams, but the team Brittany is, was on is, is just – three, four times bigger than any team in all of Europe. So it's a whole nother ball game with those guys. But every team has rules as far as how many foreigners can be on the court. Oh, okay. So you have a lot of a lot of Russian players. A lot of, a lot of Russian players, you have European players that mm-hmm. count differently. Okay. So you have some players with say an American player with the with the uh, with the I don't know, Macedonian passport or Italian passport. They can play with another status. Each country has a different rule as far as how many of their own players they have to have. So when you have Ekaterinburg, you've got you've got two strong Americans, then you've got maybe three other Americans who have dual passports, and then you've got three of the best Europeans in the world, mm. and then you've got the best Russians in the world. So if you put that team that, that Griner was on in the WNBA, you know, there's probably not a better team talent wise. Interesting. So yeah, that, that team is just, you know, it's got copper money and um, probably the biggest copper manufacturer in the world. And so they, I don't know, it seems like they print it there. So Ekaterinburg yeah. is the name of the team that uh, Brittany Griner is playing for. And of course, she's now the person who's being held on uh, drug charges. Apparently, that's what the Russian authorities are saying, that she was bringing some drugs into the country when she was going there a few weeks ago. We don't know Correct. exactly when that happened. So I know you don't represent Brittany, but obviously you're very connected in the world. And I know you know her agents and her family. So obviously we're, our thoughts are with her that she can get back safely. But just from the outside looking in, I have a little understanding of these international situations, having traveled you know, all over the world myself. This sounds to me like an extremely dicey situation for uh, Brittany Griner. It sure does. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think we have any, her agents or, or anybody in the basketball world and the sports world have any influence anymore. Um, I think that maybe her team if there, you know, there's there's some probably some guys that are connected to Putin somehow, and the on, it's called UMMC. Okay, uh, but but I don't, you know, just like everybody else, you and I are speculating. I right, I, I just know her her agent team, her lawyers, they are going nonstop, and mm-hmm. they are 
they're doing as good a job as they possibly could. And I don't envy being in that position at all. And as I told you earlier, I mean, I have some players that are really, really close to her and really upset. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and worried yeah. as they should be, right? Like, I mean, who knows what will happen here? Mike Cowan, by the way, is joining me here on Holding Court. He's been uh, in the basketball business for 30 years, representing players, coaches, uh, particularly some great female players. Uh, and Brittany Griner, of course, is the American player, one of the stars of the WNBA for a long time. Uh, give me a little overview, Mike, of... Uh, just a situation whereby these top female players go overseas. Obviously, Russia's got a big league. I know in Turkey and other parts of Europe as well. Why do they do that? Well, part of it, I mean, this is a this is 25 years of development of the WBA with a lot of people who invested blood, sweat, and tears, meaning the owners and the league, and trying to keep this thing alive and mm-hmm. trying to bring it to the forefront of, of American society and, and, you know, doing a good job, but you know, it takes a while. Right. And, you know, we have a, I think when the WNBA started, they were like, okay, where can we fit in a league in between all the TV schedules, Mm -hmm. all the college sports, football, the NFL, NBA, um, where is it? Where is that going to be? So they came up with the summer. Right. And part of it was recognizing that there's a well-established earning you know, source for female basketball players in Europe and Asia. Mm -hmm. So, um, they fit it in, they fit it in to like basically May to September, May to October, depending on how long the season goes. So you have a season that's four and a half months long. All right. So that's your, you're an elite basketball player. One thing is you probably, you know, they're not making enough in the summer to really do real well mm-hmm. normally under normal circumstances. Right. Now the sellers are up there for some of the top players where they're doing real well, a quarter of a million dollars a year almost just in salary. That's okay. You know, that's really right. good in regular society. Mm-hmm. But they can go overseas and supplement that. So, you know, you've got you've got China, Korea, Russia, Turkey, Spain, Italy, France, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Israel all these and a couple others, Poland, I would call uh, WBA countries. That's the way I mm-hmm. label them. That's where we're normally sending players. So mm-hmm. we have WBA level players that are going to those countries. Sometimes you'll see one in Germany or Portugal or something, but that's basically it. So, you know, a player can make from 5000 to normally twenty twenty five thousand 25000 a month net of taxes in these countries. The team Brittany's on is many times above that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of the other teams, like there'll always be a two or three teams in each country that pay really, really well. Turkey has two or three teams that pay very well. The Czech Republic has one. Hungary has a couple. Spain has two. Italy has one or two. Uh, France is just solid top to bottom. They're not mm-hmm. they, you know, super high salaries. but they're... So anyway, players in their off season, they're continuing to work on their craft. And they're also supplementing their income. In the past, that income has been many times what it was in the WBA. That's starting to even out, Patrick, so that um, the WBA is starting a push to say, hey, it's called prioritization. Mm-hmm. We, you're going to have to start to choose where you play. And so that's, a, that's a, some growing pains in that process because if you're part of the haves, like Brittany, 
and several of ours and, you know, there's probably 30 like that where they're going to be paid real well here and real well there. But if you're part of the sort of middle class, you need that overseas income to supplement. So, um, you know, that's a whole nother topic for another day, but, uh, that's, that's a synopsis of why Mm. they play overseas and, and, um, because of China's been out, China's one of the highest paying leagues and they haven't had Americans for two years due to COVID. Korea hasn't either. Um, so that's really hurt. And then the WNBA salaries have gone up. So anyway, there's a, there's a lot of factors in that, but that's like a little summary. Yeah. Well, listen, I, I understand, um, you know, from a, from a sports by sports background, I haven't been a professional tennis player. I mean, I used to be able to go to play in uh, club matches in France or, you know, a lot of European players play in the, what they call the German Bundesliga, where they can make considerably more money playing a weekend for a club that has nothing to do with their world ranking, but you get, literally get like some of the best players in the world to go play for clubs. So the economic model you're talking about for women's basketball is obviously just like in tennis in a lot of European countries uh, where, it, you know, there's more, basically there's more money to be made playing professional tennis. So it sounds like the economic model in a lot of these countries uh, is is able to support women's basketball at a higher level, at least than we've been able to do thus far in the United States. Would I be correct in that ass- assessment? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, some some of them are not that high level, but they're club teams that are beloved by the community and they invest their time and such. So, so they, you know, they come up with what they can. But, you know, so some players don't make much money overseas, but, but it's a job and it keeps them playing. Right. And, and But in some cases, it's many, many, many times what they make in the W. Much less of that as the W grows and overseas is having economic problems and COVID kills those sponsors. As you would know, when you have a sponsor who has a company and they have a certain budget for the athletic program, what they're donating to the sports team, mm. and if they're having trouble surviving due to COVID or other economic factors, then that money's going to go down what they pay for the pro athletes. And so that's been really, really hard the last six, seven, eight years. It's gone down, 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 started to come back a little bit, and then COVID hit. And we sort of went back into the doldrums. And now this, this uh, Putin thing, um, you know, that's, who knows? It's really uncertain. I don't, you know, people are asking me, are you going to send players back to Russia? Mm. And my answer to that is, is Putin going to be around? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. That's what everyone wants to know. You've, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah you, you answer that question. Right. I'll answer yours. Right. You've negotiated over 800 <laughs> contracts. So I'm, on, I'm checking out your website here. Count groupglobal.com. We got an awesome website, by the way, with great pictures of all the players you represented and their, you know, different um, parts of the world, their families. So I can see that, you know, you're very well connected with the people you represent you. and um, you've negotiated over 800 contracts, it says here, for uh, WNBA players. Um, you mentioned something that I think is, you know, what I see as an issue with you know, and some of the the political uh, problems happening, it was China, obviously, with uh, the Olympic Games and with the Russian figure skater and the doping scandal. Um, mm. You know, Novak Djokovic being unvaccinated—that's obviously you know a different topic uh, in the tennis world. Uh, but then here, obviously, you get into you know something you said in 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 the great synopsis you gave of of how this 
business sort of works in, in, in women's basketball that there's a few teams that give up that, that have huge budgets. So obviously this team in Russia, you know, you start to wonder, okay, you said this guy might be, you know, connected to Putin. So it's like these oligarchs. I mean, we even had one that owned the New Jersey nets for a while, right. That came over here and bought the nets. So it's not like, you know, not to mention buying up a lot of real estate in Manhattan and in Miami, (laughs) places like that. So to me, that's sort of the, you know, the larger issue here too, you know, China to a certain extent now in Russia where you're like, okay, well, where's this money coming from and how long will it last? I mean, even in tennis, you know, the women saying they're not going to go back and play in China, the women's tour, the men's tour hasn't gone there yet, which I've criticized them for just FYI. And now it's like, Hmm, is this money going to dry up in places like Russia where, mm, you know, we're not quite a hundred percent sure or we don't want to maybe admit it where that money's coming from to support some of these great women basketball players. Yeah. I'm yeah. really worried about China. <laughs> yeah. Because China, I guess, yeah. China is a top to bottom. Great, great outlet for, for a few and they, their schedule fits in to a, to a clear off season where the player could get a break after the W and then a break after the Chinese season. And so they're, they're really, you know, there's like eight to 12 really elite jobs. So that hurts um, some of the elite players. But, um, you know, I, I think the, the, the product in my world, I don't know about tennis, but the product in my world is very stable. Mm-hmm. There's really, especially in places like France, Spain, Italy, it's really stable as far as the, the love for it. It's going to be there. At what level economically is it going to be there? Right, is right. the question. Because it sounds like right. the big, so, it sounds like the big money is coming in Russia and China, right? Russia, China at, at one time Turkey. Turkey's probably the top paying league, top to bottom. They'll have more teams that pay six figure salaries than Chinese and then Russia. Let me ask you something. Uh, China, let me, let yeah. me ask you something, Mike, because this is uh, I'm I'm intrigued by this. So when they're 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 paying these big salaries. Are they getting bigger numbers of fans there than than the WNBA gets? Or they are there? Is, mm. it, or is it just a rich owner that's sort of like you know put funneling the money into it? Because I'm 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 interested in the economic model of it. Like how sustainable is it? Well, and it's totally different team by team. Even in even in Russia, the you know back to Russia that you've got the richest team in Europe by far that's owned by a copper a copper manufacturer. Mm-hmm. You've got the second richest team there. Dinamo and then Orenburg, these are government run teams, government sponsored teams. Okay. So in essence, I mean, then, uh, you know, the, the next team down Nika, that's, I think, a owner of a dental supply company or something. Same thing all over Europe. Sometimes you get like most teams get an infusion of capital from their local, you know, you know, chamber of commerce or whatever from the local government. Right. Um, but the, but they're trying. They're out there going to every sponsor they can. So many of them are people that played in the club or had kids in the club. So you know, it depends on the size of it. You know, you get to Turkey. You've probably heard of Galatasaray and Fenerbahce. Yes, those are and Besiktas. Those are huge soccer clubs mm-hmm. and men's basketball. So they have a women's basketball, women's volleyball. So that's big business, right? But it goes up and down with the economy. Right. That just that one team. That one team in Russia, you got to. I've always asked. Okay, I didn't ask questions, so I don't want to be a hypocrite mm-hmm. by saying I'm I'm in there taking this big these big contracts for some of my players. I wasn't asking a lot of questions. I was just happy to get them. 
Sure. So, uh, you know, it'd be hypocritical for me to, <laughs> to pass judgment there, but you wonder why a team does, they know that they they can pay double and get the player and they say, ah, oh, why not pay quadruple? <laughs> right. Right. I, I, I always, I always wonder, I was like, Hmm. This team basically rubber stamped anything, and I was always okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll and take we, it, yeah. and we moved along. Right. Yeah. It's like it's so, like it's like the top male you know players in tennis getting guarantees to go play in the Middle East. Same deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. And I mean, so I, I don't. Again, they're just a you know they're just the albatross. They're just a total outlier. That team. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be on that team. Everything's top of the line, luxury, business class tickets, car with driver, all that. Uh, you have some of that in other countries at the top teams, but not at that level. Um, and I'm not sure if that was the question you even asked. Patrick. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, this is the beauty of the podcast is we just, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm fascinated by what you've been able to do. Your, your story is a great one. Uh, but obviously this, you know, Brittany Griner story has sort of captivated us and, and, and it's shining a light to me, uh, you know, the fairness issue of women's sports. I get that, you know, the U S soccer paying out, uh, some money to women's soccer, uh, obviously in tennis, uh, you know, we always, uh, uh, talk about the fact, brag, maybe too strong a word, but you know how women make as much as men do in most of the big, and certainly in the big tournaments, um, when they, when the, when the men and women uh, play together in big events. Uh, obviously, that doesn't happen in team sports as much, so it's it's challenging for the female athletes yeah. to make as much. I mean, uh, I always tell the story, Mike, of you know if you're a family and if you get young kids and you got a young boy in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who's six, who's a great athlete. Uh, and love sports, what sports are you going to put him in? Let me ask you that. I know you have a son. So if he's an unbelievable athlete, what would you think first sport put him in? What would be if he's a boy? Uh, well, Where you of going? course, you know, of course you're asking someone who's biased, but he <laughs> right. quickly said, I don't want anything to do with basketball. Yeah, I understand so that. Yeah. He, he was talented in soccer and track. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if you're getting to this, but I remember you and I growing up, we, we played five sports. Correct. And, right. uh, you know, but now, today you have to specialize. Right. Um, but again, I don't know if you were going to that point, but I would, I would push towards uh, soccer. Right. Well, the point, uh, the point I'm going, the, here's know. a, here's a point I'm going towards for, if you have a young okay. girl, okay. Who's a great athlete and you're, you know, let's say you're not poor, but you're not rich and you're thinking, okay, I want my kid to make money playing a sport. Uh, guess what sport's going to be at the top of the list? Tennis. Okay. And uh, tennis is going to be nowhere near the top of the list for a young boy, you know, because there's baseball, there's basketball, there's football, et cetera. You know, basketball, like you said, you could be an unbelievable basketball player, a great soccer player. Lacrosse is is very popular where I live in, in New York, just outside New York city with girls and boys too. Um, But you can't make big money. And, and I guess sort of that's, that's the, that, that's my, I guess that, that's what I was getting at with the, you know, having a young kid. Right. That's why I think we into tennis world, at least in the last 10, 15 years, when Europe has bypassed us in men's tennis, because tennis is a bigger sport in most European countries than it is here. We have a much more diversity in female, uh, in women's tennis players and, and just better athletes overall playing tennis in this country. Would that have happened without the Williams sisters? Like if they never, 
existed. I'm just curious. I think it. Did, did I, they, I, yeah, I think they definitely helped with African Americans. Um, you know, players like Sloan yeah. Stevens, Madison Keys, you know, Coco Goff that are great. But we, but we've always right. had a, a even, you know, white players that are great athletes, and you know, great right. white athlete. If it was a boy, might uh, want to be a quarterback or you know play basketball or baseball. Whereas if they're if they're girls, uh, you know, I'm not just talking about if they're minorities. I'm talking about just great athletes, any color, any background. They we seem to get more of those into junior tennis than we do into uh, into boys junior tennis on the girls side. Yeah, absolutely. The people I see going into tennis. It's sort of like, okay, these haven't worked out. Hey, why don't you try tennis? Yeah, exactly. Now you, now, now, yeah, now, now you know why we're behind Europe in men's tennis. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. You nailed it. You nailed it. Well, listen, uh, it's been awesome to have you on. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to come back again uh, to discuss, I mean, we, there's so many different layers to this outside of what's going on with Brittany Griner, which I find fascinating. I know, please, before we go, though, just tell me, tell me and my audience a little bit about what you're doing to try to help some... I know you. We started this podcast late because uh, you were busy helping some some people in Ukraine and Poland. So tell me a little bit about what's going on in your world before I let you go, Mike. That's that's an entry. Like I don't even know this coach. This coach named Dennis Helms from Texas is a. Uh, he was Larry Johnson's coach way hmm. back in at JUCO. Right. And my and my old my old partner George Bass from uh, Dallas, Texas. He, he said, "Hey, I'm sending Dennis your." information i you know the thing is he's trying to get his family he married a ukrainian lady mm-hmm. and he's trying to get and she's got a daughter in the ukraine husband young son and two cousins two of her nieces mm-hmm. that they're that's in the same position all these people are in you got the husband saying i'm going to stay and fight right and i want you guys out of here and they're like what do we do where do we go? Mm. So they got a 10 and a half hour trek to the Polish border. And he said, Mike, can you help find someone in Poland that can help us with lodging or anything? Mm-hmm. You know, somebody maybe could come get them. So, you know, I start going through my address book and okay, I've sent players to Poland for years. I have two partners that represent players in Poland. I know some Polish people. I know some Polish teams, you know, so I just start, whipping out a letter to everybody and before long I'm getting okay I know this guy who could do this and this agent knows this you know mm. so that's I think it's just the sports community you know this coach is reaching out to his old agent mm-hmm. or an old agent friend and saying hey can you can you tie this together I don't know the guy but maybe out of all this those guys get some lodging maybe a little help with the flight problem is they can't get into the states uh, without visas so hopefully the State Department relaxes some visas of Ukrainians right? so that they can even come here and maybe we start to house, you know, we as Americans start to house some of these guys if we can get them over here, um, as we've done in, in past years with refugees from other countries, right? right? So um, that's that, was, that just sort of put me off an hour to get to you because I wanted to get the word out for this guy. And so hopefully we get enough hits from people who know people who know people. Mm. 
to maybe get them at least some cots in a gym or something. Yeah. Well, for, you know? as, as, as one human to another, I say, thank you, you know, for doing what you're yeah. doing. And, I, and I'm starting to hear some of those stories also from, uh, in the tennis world. So, uh, I, I will take your lead and try to do uh, my part. If I, uh, you know, continue to hear about that, cause obviously people are looking to get out and looking for places to go. So Mike Count, uh, yeah. I appreciate you joining me anytime. Um, Uh, you have anything else you want to discuss I am here and thank you for coming on Holding Court thanks so much Patrick I enjoyed it All right, Mike take care all the best you too bye bye Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media Mudhouse Media